If you're applying to PA school in the 2024-2025 cycle, then I need you to know about our Pre-PA Academy. This is a group coaching program that I have wanted to start for so long and I am pumped. So from February to October of this cycle, we will be working as a cohort through the entire application process. The way that Academy works is we'll have three to four weekly sessions with myself and the other PA platform coaches where we will be teaching and doing group work and live personal statement editing, live mock interviews, question and answer, office hours, virtual shadowing, and just walking you through this entire PA school application process. We're going to start from your personal statement, choosing the programs, making a school list, getting your application ready before it opens in April on CASPA to getting you ready for interviews, what to do if you're hearing back, what to do if you're not. This is like our webinar series, but so much more intimate. Talking to students who have joined the program, it really seems like they are most excited for the accountability, the support, and the community through this process, and that is exactly what I wanted to offer. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I promise. And we're just going to have a good time getting to know each other and working through it together and learning from each other. I want you guys to learn from each other in the program. You can sign up at any time. The code, if you want $50 off of your registration, is HELLO24. And we would love to have you as part of our first cohort of Pre-PA Academy for this upcoming cycle. We know it's not uncommon to have to reapply to PA school. So today we're talking to Rachel, who is a third time applicant and was accepted and she's telling you what she did to increase her chances between cycles. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. For everyone who has already heard back from PA schools and gotten some acceptances. One of the questions I get the most is, what should I do now? What do I do next? How do I prepare? And I want to tell you about today's sponsor of the podcast, Picmonic. As you are exploring and researching your options for the study resources that you'll use during PA school, this is definitely one to look into, one that tons of PA students use throughout their education. And I think a really good option to make sure that you are covering the material in every way possible. So Picmonic is an online website where you have quick and effective two minute videos. So short videos and they tell you a story. So instead of just trying to memorize facts and recall it out of nowhere, you have these stories that you're connecting what you're learning to. So you learn about a medicine or a disease and you can visualize what's going on to understand it a little bit better. That was one of the hardest things for me in PA school. We didn't have anything like this when I was in school and just trying to memorize things from a PowerPoint, I just struggled with that a lot and I felt like it was hard to apply that information until I got on clinical rotations and actually saw it in real life and had those patients and people to apply it to. So Pygmonic helps you to do that throughout didactic year before you even get to clinical year. 
There's also cue banks and questions to check your recall, which is very important. But I highly recommend checking it out. Even good for a review before you start PA school, you can start kind of taking in some of these videos and some of this information and just gain a feel for what you're going to be learning. So we'll put that link in the description. And if you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. But highly recommend Picmonic as an option for PA school studying because you're gonna need all the help you can get. Use the code, the PA platform for 20% off at checkout. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. I am Savannah Perry, your dermatology PA, PA platform creator and pre-PA coach and podcast host, I guess. All right, so I am so excited to meet some of you guys in a few weeks at MAPTCON in Baltimore. There is still sign still time to sign up if you want to join us the weekend of October 6th through 8th for a pre-health conference. I will be there. I'm speaking. I would love to meet you. We're doing some meetups. So if you want information on that, shoot me an email at info at thepaplatform.com and we will make sure you are on the list. For today's episode, we're talking to Rachel and Rachel was recently accepted to PA school and you can find her on Instagram. We'll put all the information in the description. But she applied to PA school in three different cycles, and she talks about what she did as far as improving her application, taking cycles, how she got interviews and wait lists, and what she did with the rejection, what she did during undergrad. We um, talked through all of that. She did not have a competitive GPA, and so we addressed that as well. And I just really appreciate Rachel coming on and sharing her story. Um, she just really wanted to encourage others not to give up. So if you're in that, uh, I don't know, um, that time, that you know, doubtful attitude, I don't know. If you are feeling unsure just about your chances, I think this episode and this interview will be very encouraging to you. All right, uh, we will get into it, and I hope you enjoy. If you need anything, feel free to reach out on social. As always, use our code FUTUREPA for a discount on mock interviews, personal statement editing, anything you need help with, and, you know, we have some fun stuff coming. Stay tuned. Well, my name is Rachel Lahman. I am actually currently 28, but I was a radiologic technologist for about four years, um, before I finally got into PA school and um, I got married, I had a little dog and it's just us, my tiny little fam bam. And we moved across the country to Tennessee for school, which was not where we had thought we would end up. To be honest, we wanted to stay in Minnesota where we're from. Um, so my background is mostly, like I said, imaging, radiologic technology, um, general x-ray mostly. And then uh I did a lot of work specifically in orthopedics and urgent care, um, as well as orthopedic outpatient surgery. So I was able to work so closely with PAs in surgery and PAs in the clinic. And it kind of just like, I always knew I wanted to be a PA, but I thought imaging was a really great backup to have and like a really good skill to also have for the profession because I know like how intertwined all of the areas yeah. within healthcare are. Um, it just took a little bit longer to get here <laughs> than I had planned. However, having that background and having that time to, you know, hone in on skills and really 
build relationships and rapport with not only professionals, but patients. And like, you can build that confidence about yourself and, you know, going through all of those unknowns that I feel like having a four year gap (laughs) really helped me now. I'm not worried about OSCEs. Like I, I don't have any concerns with interactions with patients or, you know, fear of the unknown. There's always going to be some, but being able to adapt because I've already been kind of exposed to that. And I think that was huge. Um, and I feel like that's what healthcare is. It's all about adaptability and PA school, really, you have to be adaptable 100%. <laughs> that's a great perspective because I think, you're right. And sometimes it does take a little while of that kind of, I don't know if you'd call it imposter syndrome, but yes, <laughs> uh, there is, there is that fear aspect going into those first patient encounters. And I think that's part of the reason that PA school requires so much patient care experience is they want to make sure that you are good with that and you know what you're getting yourself into and all yeah. that. But and some schools, so I, I didn't have a ton of patient care experience, but, and some schools don't require it as much, but having those, honestly, having the like uncomfortable encounters and the tough experiences, mm-hmm. I think are what prepare you. And so having the that extra time in healthcare was probably hugely beneficial and Definitely x-ray stuff. People show me an x-ray and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like that's a bone. That's, ah. <laughs> I mean, like clearly I haven't done that in a long time, but um, no, that's a huge skill for you and your classmates to have. Uh, can you just to back up and then we'll move back forward. Um, what does it take to become an, and make sure I say this right, a radiologic technologist. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. What was that path to get there? Is that an associate's? Is that a bachelor's or a post-grad program? So it truly depends on where you are as an individual. So I don't know if there's a difference between like the associates being a technician or a technologist. I I actually have a bachelor's. And so I was through university and so I got my BS in um, radiological technology or radiological sciences. However, I had to do the two years like you would do for an associate, but I did it at an affiliated hospital or um, so I had to go through the whole interview process, just like getting into PA school um, and interview to get into a program just to complete my degree and my training. So the first year, it honestly, it feels like I'm in P- or I'm in uh, extra school again, but harder because the first year was a lot of learning, um, imaging background, history, physics. Um, and then the second year, you're on clinicals, like you go to different locations, you go to different modalities, you get to experience all sorts. Um, and I was fortunate enough because mine was within the Minneapolis VA hospital. And so my classroom was in our imaging department. And so we were hands-on exposed to imaging real life day one um, and able to kind of build those relationships with patients quickly. So most of our rotations were in the hospital, but we had three, I think three outside of the hospital. So like ER and then two different pediatric um, facilities. 
So it was a very diverse experience. It was a lot of working really hard and not pay, not getting paid. I'm paying for it. So I, I feel like I'm there again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds very similar. Um, yeah. To, to that experience. Did that program set you up well for PA school? Um, like as far as classes or did you have to take more prereqs or did a lot of your classes quote, quote unquote count for when you went to apply? So it was kind of like you had to have all of your generals and prerequisites to get like an interview to qualify for the affiliated hospitals. But then all of the work I did within that hospital was called field experience. And so it was just like pass fail. So even though I took classes at the VA to get my degree, the university considered all of that to be pass fail. So (laughs) I can't utilize that experience for my PA application because I have I graduated, applied for PA all within the same year. Okay. Um, didn't get in that first year, but I had also, I had phlebotomy prior to imaging. And so I think that's a huge skill to also have. If You know, I know everybody goes CNA or um, options like that, but I think phlebotomy was a huge skill also and learning more about the lab and things that I am like refreshing now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It comes, it comes back to you. Um, well, no, I think, I think that is great experience though for, for so many reasons, like just the x-ray experience, but then just going through that program too, and kind of having more of knowing what to expect. So you kind of completed your program. Like you said, you knew you wanted to do PA. So you are already applying to PA school. Um, Tell us a little bit about that first application cycle. Like what was your plan going in as far as choosing schools and then kind of outcomes? Yeah. So that first application I'll tell you was quite, it wasn't how I probably should have done it. I should have taken more time. Um, The whole time that the cycle was open, so it opened in that April I was finishing up school. I was planning my wedding. I was studying for the GRE, studying for my x-ray boards. And so a lot of the little details that go into applying to PA school, I don't feel like we're as focused and that's 100% on me for not organizing it or utilizing resources that I could have easily done a Google search on. And I think that that hurt me a lot. Um, I think going forward after that application, I learned more and more. And I think that's something that's really important is if it doesn't go well the first time, learn from like why. Like I learned from mistakes of, oh, I forgot to submit that one thing. They're not going to tell you, you forgot something. Not all of them. If they do, you're lucky. Um, And I had a whole spreadsheet and I thought I was so organized but also I don't think I catered to my strengths. I was like, oh, I'm gonna apply to like the best schools, the top schools. There's so many applicants for so many schools. Mm-hmm. And you think about the percentage that get interviews and the percentage that gets um, actually accepted. How, how do you stand out? And those are things that I didn't think about as thoroughly as I wish I had that first time. 
and definitely catered towards round two and three for me. Um, yeah, so it was just kind of like a, everything happening at once. And I do not recommend it <laughs> if you can avoid it or have yeah. a system that is maybe a little bit less stressful all at the same time. It is. A, it's a lot. And and everything is very nitpicky, um, yes. which you like know, but you don't really know until you get into it. I know like yes. <laughs> our office has had issues with that because like just to explain kind of like what that what I mean by that she took biochemistry at a school that was on a quarter system so she took the first two sections but they offered a third section but she didn't take that so technically she had enough hours to fulfill the prerequisite that she was looking for but there was like this tiny asterisk at the bottom of the prereq page that basically said if you went to a school that was on quarter system and they offered another section in the sequence that you had to take that also. And I mean, we were just like, what? This is so complicated as we were going through stuff. And it's just crazy. Something like that happened to me actually on my third round. Um, So I retook courses. I I applied once, applied twice, took a year off to retake some classes, rebuild my GPA a little bit, you know, try to show that like I'm I'm doing the work that they recommended or things that maybe I got a C in and try to do a, like a better GPA. Even though CASPA brings it together, you get both, which is a huge downfall in my opinion. But at least I had the chance to try to get an A. Um, so I retook anatomy one summer. And one thing that hurt me on this last application was when I started college as a freshman, um, they had their anatomy and uh, anatomy and phys was like lumped with uh, the lab. Like they weren't separate courses, Yeah. but you got separate grades. It was really confusing. And so when I retook anatomy, I didn't retake the lab. And so on my last application, it my my lab expired by like one semester yeah even though like my anatomy grade continued because I retook it it's the the one credit lab mm-hmm. that disqualified my application from that school yeah so yeah. it's it's really it's little things and it's frustrating no matter how you do it it's frustrating yeah but. <laughs> yeah and that's what I mean I feel like that happens every time so I have a question about between cycles or after your cycles yeah um first question is did you reach out to any of the schools directly for feedback for advice and did they give you any absolutely and that's one thing that I would highly recommend anybody rejection is hard but how you grow from it and how you learn from it uh it's only gonna benefit you. Um, Not every school is gonna be personable. It depends on how many people they have emailing them, how many like applications they've had to process through. So I thought that some schools were very approachable and they're like, hey, you know, you qualified X, Y, Z, but you could do improvements here. And then others were like, you know, referred to our our prerequisite page, which it is what it is. I understand it's, you know, needle in the haystack, right? Of applications. But the ones that I did get 
that personalized feedback, I took to heart. I greatly appreciated it. And I worked on those. And those are the schools that I reapplied to, to show that I am interested. And also reaching out, like, it shows that you care, I think. And it shows that you are interested in that program, which I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that they keep your emails like within your file at some, some do, schools. Sure. Yeah, some definitely do. So the more they see or hear your name, that might help you yeah. stand out. And that, was, and that was my next question is between cycles, did you apply to the same schools or did you pick new schools in between between application cycles? So there was some overlap between the three different cycles. Um, I think on my last one, there was only like two schools between the first and second that I um, reapplied to. And I think it's because I was very intentional on how I was applying. Like I had learned from my experiences. I learned from my errors. And I kind of learned how they weigh your application in some aspects. That's one thing I wish I knew was every school weighs applications differently. Um, and that can be really frustrating because some take a very holistic approach and some you're weighted based on certain criteria. Um, and so this third cycle, again, very specific, very intentional, um, played to my strengths, which is for me, um, my patient care experience, my thousands of hours working with people, but my low was my GPA. I was kind of at that cutoff. I was not your 4.0 student. I am also a out of school for four years, so I'm not your typical applicant. Um, and that was really hard. Like, how do you set yourself apart when GPA can be so heavily weighted? Um, so just being really intentional, I think, is what helped me in this last round and understanding the process a little bit more and mm -hmm. getting help from the P8 platform, as well as like other social platforms on Instagram. There's so many more things that I didn't know was there before <laughs> this like third time. And I don't yeah. understand why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and there there's more and more popping up, which is great because... I feel like there's still, there's, there's still, it's still a very complicated process. Um, like when I applied, there was the PA forum and one book and then I think nothing else. Like nobody, like social media, like wasn't a thing yet. Um, so there was no help whatsoever. But now, I mean, there's definitely a lot more and, and more specifics with different programs and and things oh like, yes like helpful and all of the changes that are happening with like the PA cat mm -hmm. I think it's that's right PA cat yeah um that's going to be a huge change if more schools go towards it and yeah it's you know an ever-growing profession and therefore it's ever-growing competition yep. <laughs> so <laughs> more and more uh, I wish they would get like on the same page but it cracks <laughs> me up because a lot of the PAs I worked with um they would be like, I don't understand why you're not getting in or things yeah. like that. And they're like, you know, if I had to go through this, I wouldn't get in right now. That, I mean, that, like, I've said that so many times that like at, at this, like if I had the same application that I applied with, I would not get accepted my first round, especially at the schools I applied to. Like there's more options now. And I think I would have had more schools to apply mm -hmm. to. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think at that point I would have gotten in. 
yeah it's crazy but <laughs> it's it's I mean it's a good thing I mean I see the pros and cons because it's a good thing like I think they keep the standards very high for our profession yes. and that's a good thing um but then it stinks when you see people that you know are extremely qualified and would be amazing PAs not getting in and I, I understand the process. I understand the reasons. I understand why requirements are set up the way they are. Uh, but it's still frustrating. Like there are times I want to just send an email and be like, please let this person in. They are fantastic and they will be a great PA and I would have loved to have them in my class. And, you know, that just doesn't work. So it, I hear that. It's strange. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough, uh, for sure. But I think, like you said, there's more resources now. More, hopefully, things that are helping to make it more clear, the application process easier. Um, and I think part of it too, even though. So, at what point did you decide or know kind of you wanted to do PA? My freshman year of college, I was uh, nursing initially, um, kind of a weird journey. So I took CIS, it's called College and Schools, when I was in high school. So I got college credit, but I was within my high school not going to a facility. And I got like A's and B's and some of my sciences in Calc and, you know, kind of disheartening. My professor, not my professor, my high school teacher said that B's aren't good enough for a nursing degree, which is really disheartening, especially when you're just going into college. And I was a nursing major. And then my guidance counselor also said that, you know, I'm not a competitive applicant for nursing at that school. And I was like, okay, so like, this is really discouraging. <laughs> I feel like you um, need to write them letters like now. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um look at me now right but um so I kind of like took all that frustration and I was like okay what what do you want to do you're only like 19 years old where do you see yourself and a lot of heart-to-heart conversations and I kind of like I knew I wanted to work with patients I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. um both my parents work within the imaging field and so imaging was really easy for me because I already understood it um, to some extent. Um, but I knew I knew I wanted to do more than just, you know, have that short interaction with patients. I knew I wanted to have a more uh, in-depth rapport with them. I wanted to follow them through their journey. Um, and so I was like, okay, researching all these things. And I kind of stumbled upon PA. I kind of wavered between MD and PA and what really set the two apart for me individually was the lateral mobility, the ability to, you know, go from derm to orthopedics, potentially not saying that that would be an easy lateral movement, but just having that ability to adjust based on your interest, your needs, family life, et cetera. Um, I like variety. And so maybe that's why I was drawn to it is I don't like to get bored. <laughs> Um, and honestly, now I, I don't think that whatever specialty I choose, I'll ever get bored. Um, now that I've learned so much more, but that's what really drew me to that profession. Um, but I, I, I saw so many of my, uh, classmates 
have science majors, biology, chemistry, you name it. And then they didn't have a job because they were waiting in limbo to get into a PA program. And I'm like, oh, okay, what, what am I going to do with this degree? What am I going to be happy with if I don't get in right away? And so that's how I landed on imaging is because I got to work with patients. I got to be hands-on um, and it was something I'm really interested in. And that kind of helped push me further and further into the drive for this profession. Um, I'm glad it worked out because <laughs> not that I would have gotten bored with imaging. I just knew that I needed to do more. I needed more time with patients. That quick interaction isn't enough for me. Now that's so smart to set yourself up like that. Um, and did you work through kind of your application cycles and everything? That, yeah. No, that's, you're completely right because that is the the hard thing um, because a lot of these, these positions are very much entry level or you need, you may not need a certification or you may, but they aren't ones that like take a long time. But you all also aren't like learning, I don't want to say skills that are helpful, but kind of skills that are helpful. So like the things that I did as a CNA are not things that I do now. Um, I appreciate that role a lot more, I think, because oh, absolutely I was in it, but I mean, having any type of actual, like I'm thinking back to my class, I don't think we had anyone from X-Ray in my class. I'm the only one in mine. Yeah, like I don't think we had anybody. We had a couple paramedics, um, which they were fantastic whenever we're talking about ER trauma stuff and like learning phlebotomy. They basically taught us <laughs> how to do that. And then we had a dietitian. She was super helpful. Uh, one of my best friends had worked in a dermatology office for a few years. And so that was helpful. So it was like all these different backgrounds. And I'm like, I was a CNA at a rehab hospital for a summer. I have nothing to add to this. Like I am not helpful, uh, when it comes to the clinical, when it comes to the clinical stuff, um, I, I, I know my strengths. I can make a study guide. That's very helpful. Um, and you know, organize things, but like clinically having those people with different backgrounds was very helpful for us as fellow students, but honestly would be helpful now. And so I think setting yourself up and that's kind of what I try to tell people now is like, look into what's offered at your school. And if there is something that could set you up to actually have a substantial role in medicine, do that. Um, not every school is going to offer that, but some do. And it's a, a big one thing. Picture. One thing really cool is I worked with a lot of um, CNAs in the um, outpatient orthopedic surgery center. And when I got my CNA, cause I did that, but I never used it. Um, I was like, oh, you can do that. Like you can work on the surgical floor and things like that and work in outpatient surgery and like learn from nurses, from PAs, from the MDs, and like, they'll let you shadow in those surgeries. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize is that CNA isn't just in a nursing home. It's not just in a hospital. Like there are so many avenues that you can work in. And sometimes that can help, you know, step you up. Maybe that gets you into an MA position or, you know, a more 
I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it, more it helps bring yeah. more responsibility, more outlets, um, more people to work with so that you can have like a more rapport with um, physicians and PAs. Yeah. So, you know, I think your background is, is interesting because I went straight from undergrad. Um, how has PA school been? Is it what you expected? Is it different since you kind of, um, you know, had some experience in a in a medical program? What's that been like? It's not the same. Ah! <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is really hard. So yeah. <laughs> um, taking a four year gap and then going back to school, and I have a fellow classmate, a few that are actually similar to me, where it's been a little while since we've been in the traditional academic standing um how you studied for school and undergrad and this is for anybody how you studied in undergrad is not how you will study in PA school it, it just it's different you have to change you have to adapt you have to figure out what's working what's not very quickly um they say that they eased us in our first semester <laughs> don't really know what that means but now I <laughs> kind of do uh it just wasn't as like it wasn't clin med that first semester, but it was really hard to get back into learning how to study and not burn out super quickly, which I definitely did. Um, yeah, it was, it's not the same, like how I did it in undergrad, how I did it in um, imaging, it, it was just so much harder because it's a lot yeah. more um, specifics. It's a lot more data, whereas in undergrad and imaging, you could kind of just like study to pass a test, right? You're no longer studying to pass a test. Yes, you have to pass it, but you're not studying to pass it. You're studying it to become a great provider. You're studying it for the safety and well-being of your patients. And I think that just puts a lot more emphasis on the long hours, the long days. It's it's all worth it. It's all pertinent. Granted, you're not going to get tested on every single detail, but it's all necessary information to have as a future provider. And that was, you know, a huge difference going from undergrad to PA school yeah. is it's a lot more info and it's a lot of important info. Yeah, there's a different weight on it at that point. Um, but, you know, and you nailed it. Every You have to kind of be able to adjust, be flexible, figure out what you need to do, but also you, I think personally, I think if you can get into PA school, you can do that. It may not be easy, but you can, can figure those things out and, and make it work. I've heard Uh, many say the hardest part is getting in. So once you've gotten in, you're there, they want you to succeed. They don't want you to fail out, but you are an advocate for yourself. If you're struggling you have to do something about it. We're all adults. Um, you have to take advantage of your time, your professor's time, and advocate for yourself in your educational journey to becoming a PA. And I think that's something that's so important is because in undergrad, you're just kind of a number in some universities. Here, you're a very important number because they want you to succeed. They chose you specifically. Yes. And so take advantage of it and that's one thing even though my class is like a hundred which I wanted a small school I did not get a small school um I don't feel like 
I'm one in a hundred. I feel like I have personal one-on-one time with multiple professors. They all care. Some will stay after hours, come on weekends. I feel like our professors actually care, which is super huge. Yeah. You have a good support system there. And that's, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll do fantastic in the rest of your program. And then you'll have to <laughs> back and update us on where you end up and, and how things how things finish out for you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I'll um I'll kind of cut us there. But yeah, no, that's that's a huge class. I didn't realize it was that big. It's a new program too. It's uh, they just graduated their first class of I think they started with 65 mm-hmm. or 60 and then their second class was 80 and we're the first class of 100. Um, but they just graduated their first class last December. Is it, so like Yale online, they technically last class had 80 in this class. They're on probation now. They went down to so are we. Y'all are too? Yes. It's, it's very common for new programs. Um, it totally is. It's yeah. a lot of... Um, logistics and yes. wording and Admin paperwork stuff which and I was talking to a program director the other day and they said more programs than ever have been put on probation right now because the accreditation standards changed and like I guess they didn't really give them a heads up or give them time and oh. then they're just kind of like hey these are the new standards and then a bunch of programs kind of got like swept into that so um yeah I was like that's so interesting and and it's just a lot of I mean Yale's was like not having like reviews of clinical rotation sites or something and then like faculty faculty turnover is one of the biggest things especially with new programs that happens um but I thought it was interesting that they cut their class down um it is interesting I mean I guess it makes sense like lets them kind of like make, get back on track um because it's like when you're approved you're approved up to a certain number but you don't necessarily have to have that number yeah so. I could not do an online program I could not do yeah. a pandemic program I I give so many people credit for going through that because yeah. can't imagine I think, I think it was tough for a lot of people I don't know how I do because I I do okay but it would, I don't know, it wouldn't be my preference for sure. I think being in the classroom was hugely beneficial for me. Um, my school is considered a surgical focused program. And so it's very anatomy heavy. It's very procedure based heavy. And so a lot of the first class had to do their anatomy practicals using donor images. And it's, it's just not the same. Like having to no. do a practical with the donors makes a lot more sense anatomically being able to see the whole thing. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I don't think you could learn it quite as, as a, like, I don't think you could really <laughs> learn it <laughs> to be honest. It'd be uh-huh. hard. It'd be very hard. <laughs> it would be very hard. Yeah. No, I don't think that would really work. Um, yeah, no, I'm just glad I don't have to do that again. I had a dream the other day that I, like, randomly, like, this was so weird. I had a dream that I applied to PA school again, and I was like, I need to experience this again, and I'm going to, like, practice as a PA, but go to PA school again. It was the weirdest thing. I woke up, and I was like, that is a nightmare. Why? Like, no, I would never in a million years do that. Um, 
<laughs> it was just this bizarre thing because yeah nobody ever wants to do hey school again my friend does she's like I would go through didactic all over again just to do the clinical rotations um, and I said kudos but I would just go back for the clinical rotations probably yeah, I don't no, think like I don't that. want to do didactic so, well that's why I'm like at this point, if I want to see something, I just go, like, shadow a friend. Like, if I there's something I need to see or, like, want to learn more about, I'm like, hey, like, can I come hang out with you for a day or something? Or, like, ask them questions. But not, no. mm <laughs> But, yeah. Um, well, yeah. But thank- Wait, go ahead. Oh, I said that's interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, well, thank you so much for doing this.